Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Is this the show? Are we recording? I started recording, recording. before I plugged in my mic, so... Okay, because I, I, have, I have a very important thing that I need to discuss with all of you. Okay, let's hear okay, it. Okay, so I, I need oh, to no. know if I'm just old and behind the times, or if yes. this is... Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Oh, or if this is something that is common knowledge that, you know, I just don't know about because I'm not a dog person, but I learned about puppuccinos today oh yeah i've heard of those mm-hmm. is this is this um, like a common thing like is this something that everybody knows except for me i think anyone who has dogs and anyone who goes to starbucks knows i think anyone who and maybe this is at other places uh, as well but i know definitely at starbucks i also think anyone who is like has someone in their family who's a big dog person knows. So I don't think it's necessarily tied to age by any means. Um, I think it's just a, a factor of of being both a coffee lover and someone who owns a dog. For, any, for anybody out there who doesn't know what this is, um, at Starbucks and maybe at other places as well, uh, they will take one of the tiny little espresso uh, cups that uh, like the cardboard cups, and then they will put a little bit of uh, whipped cream into them and then you can give it to your dog and the dog gets a little puppuccino and it's adorable. See, I just assume that at Dunkin' Donuts, we don't, we don't, you know, abide by this kind of nonsense. They do the same thing at um, Dairy Queen. At Dairy Queen, they'll give you a little doggy cone for your dog. It's so cute. It's so sweet. With a little bit of ice cream. Your dog can have some ice cream with you. Uh, so I don't think necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, that's what proves that you are. Um, that, that, not, that's not. That's not, not where we draw the line. Okay, fair. No. Fair yeah, you get a pass on that one. You're you're good to go there. Okay. <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll just I'll find other reasons to be old. So that that's fine. But I I just I had never heard of that until today when I was in a vendor meeting and it came up that apparently people post pictures of their dogs drinking whipped cream and pretending that it's coffee and i all of a sudden felt like i was 75 years old <laughs> I you're imagine, 75 at heart i, I am there you go. i mean i'm old and cranky and i want people to get off my lawn but <laughs> I, normally i'm at least aware of things that are happening on the interwebs and this one could just completely took me by surprise so yeah i understand it's just That's, there yeah, it's it's just life. Um, well, speaking. <laughs> can of, I can I say something oh. just before we get started? Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no start. There will be. We've no already start. been started there's for never, like twenty never minutes. Any rules Georgia, to this like yeah, we just <laughs> we just go kind of like do whatever. Um, so I'm playing a game. It's called Ruzzle. It's um, if you like Boggle, it's like Boggle on your hmm. phone. And um, I I had a problem with my account, and I wrote to their their customer service. And they replied to me immediately. Like, immediately they fixed it. And I have to say, I was really shocked. I Very rarely have I gotten such a quick reply from a, a larger game. I was really happy with it. And it was very sweet of them. And I just wanted to say thank you, Russell. And that uh, customer service is really uh, makes a huge difference. So Yeah, l- yeah. take a lesson from that, KFC. KFC. 
Yeah, KFC. <laughs> they never replied. They uh, never terrible. replied. Yeah, they, here, let's they... let's spell the word negligence, KFC. Let's let's do that. <laughs> let's spell that with your boggle letters. Well, good job there, Ruzzle. Was that what it said Ruzzle? Ruzzle. 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 Yeah. That sounds R-U-Z-Z. like that little. Ooh, Z Z. Wait, wait, wait. Are you Z Z L E? Z Z top. That what? It sounds like Z Z top. It sounds like the little creature that teaches you other languages. There's like a. There used to be like a show, and it was like a little. Let me see. You're thinking of Ewoks, Micah. Fuzzy. Monster fuzzy, wuzzy, wuzzy, wuzzle? Spanish teaching. Oh, Muzzy? Really? Oh, Muzzy. Muzzy, yeah. yeah. I used to see those commercials. Yeah, we had that from the library at one point, and I don't think we actually did anything did it, with it. I was going to say, did it no. work? But apparently not. <laughs> Their customer service was bad. Um, <laughs> oh, we should probably also <laughs> mention that, that Brie is out solve, uh, fighting crime again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bree is uh, out today. Uh, yes, again, fighting crime. But we have Jessica Dennis with us today in Bree's place. Jessica, welcome back. You are uh, an honorary host of, <laughs> of Disruption at this point. Uh, that's certainly written into the rules somewhere. So we're happy to have so. you back. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy to be back. I always enjoy doing the show with you And guys. we like having you. Well, so it's, you. It's, it's always, hey. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's not good when Brie can't be with us, but it's a it's a consolation when you can join us. So, indeed, Aww. indeed, in uh, in things that are far less sweet and far less adorable <laughs> than the things we've just said, uh, let's talk a little bit about what was clear to almost everyone, except for the perpetrators of the actual event, uh, it was an absolute horrible misstep. Um, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Rachel Franklin, who is the social virtual reality head at Facebook, um, they were showing off basically Facebook's sort of social space. Uh, it's called it's called Spaces, and what it is 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 uh, social networking in VR. Like you can you can join your friends, and you can both show up in like a same the same virtual space. And they decided to go to uh, Puerto Rico, where all of this this horrible stuff is happening right now, uh, and talk about um, the fact that they were like that the roads were super flooded, and that you can. That one of the quotes was, "You can see." Let's see. You can see that we can really feel like we're here, and wow, this hmm. street is really flooded. And while they were showing these scenes in the background, um, they decided to high five each other. And yeah, with, with cartoon avatars too. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, with cartoon avatars while they're sitting in their comfy, you know, locations and in, in the places that they, you know, live or, or work. And that's, I mean, it was kind of immediately clear to I think people who were watching the stream live because I saw it go across Twitter um, that this was just not a good thing to do and it was very very <laughs> very tone deaf and like immediately um, yeah and I do want to point out uh, just because you know to get the whole story here Mark Zuckerberg listened to the criticisms and uh, apologized later so yeah that's sort of where things are but let's uh, you know Georgia it's interesting to me because one of the things that we talk about with the VR, uh, in terms of being a good thing, is how it can help people with empathy. But this situation seems like nobody was truly being empathetic, and instead they were trying to show, or even sympathetic, instead they were just trying to show off this tool that they had. Yeah, I, 
you see, I think that it, it was just so shocking. It was so stark and shocking. I think that uh, it it wasn't actually that they went, you could go to Puerto Rico and actually see, um, you know, the devastation that was there. That was not what I found that was shocking and tone deaf about this. Because I think in that case, especially to help relief efforts, to be able to see what the devastation is and to be able to actually experience that, I think that that's actually a good thing. Because I think a lot of people take a stand back and they're like, you know what, it's somewhere else. I don't have to worry. It's not here. And that could be, you know, a way of us understanding how hard and how devastating it would be to go through this if you've never lived through uh, dealing with a flood, hurricane, tornadoes, devastation, wildfires, all of these different experiences. I think that it was the cartoon avatars of them and the cartoon avatars of them smiling, um, high-fiving each other. And being like, oh, isn't this fun? And I, I think that that's where the disjoint came about. I think that if they had it in just first-person view and they went through it in a very serious way to say, listen, let's help the relief efforts. This is what they are going through. If you do not believe it, take a look and see for yourself. I think that that would have been good. Uh, but I, I think that it was that cartoon avatar, the the jovialness about it. I, and I don't think that they meant it to be jovial, but I think they were just so missing the point. That's why um, diversity is so important because people have died through this and it's uh, really hard. Like they're really left there without any help or aid. And so it, it just missed that mark. And that's the way I feel. I don't know about how, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, they spent some of the time, and I think the idea of the the whole thing was to talk about mm-hmm. how they're sending engineers down there to help with yeah. connectivity so that people can get in touch with their loved ones and, and how they can mm-hmm. use, mm-hmm. you know, machine learning and AI to help direct uh, direct aid workers to the best places where they can do make the most make the most mm-hmm. impact. And and that's all great, except that I don't think I, I certainly barely heard anything coming out of the mouths of cartoon avatars and and like mm-hmm. seeing like a disembodied torso with somebody like fixing you know fixing something in a road like right behind them it was just like the tone was just so mismatched with what they were trying to do and and they really could have made a real statement there but they mm-hmm. just got so enamored with their own technology and didn't think about what they were doing and why they were there that it just came off as just completely insensitive. Yep, mm-hmm. that's about the shape of it. I I mean, if you want to – you, I'm sorry, but you can't use a, a massive natural disaster as a tech demo. No. Like God. that's really, and if you, I mean, and if you do, if you insist that that's what you want to do, you at least have to be like way sneakier about it. Like make a documentary or something like get an actor or an actress with who can do a serious voice to say serious things like, look at how terrible this is. We have to fix this only, you know, better than that. Um, Cause I'm not a writer, but uh, it, it, this, it, it, it it kind of blows my mind. And, like, with all the, like, stuff you see every now and then about, oh, is Mark Zuckerberg going to run for president? You're like – I mean, although, granted, obviously now anybody can be the president. Mm, so. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's really a disqualifying thing anymore. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish it were because it's – I mean, dude, get a clue. You know, if you're going to do something philanthropic, like, all, all power to you. Like, I – 
I think it's great that they that they are doing something philanthropic, but just just do it right. Like, don't use it as a way to sell your product, like which is what it's it, it felt like they were doing. Like, it felt like they were not so much like highlighting the things that they were able to that they were doing as the fact that, oh, this is something that Facebook can do. And look at our technology and think about how you can use it for other things like you can make a press release. You can do a lot of things to, you know, draw attention to that, but just like, don't do it with cartoon avatars, you know, right. and then be surprised at the devastation because you're just seeing it for the first time. Mm, that's true too. It was mishandled there. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like, you should have watched this video before been prepared for what you were going to see and then show it to the audience in like you know the proper manner instead of like being surprised at how flooded the streets looked as you're talking about your technology that brought you this this nine minute video and then teleport to space right afterward yeah, yeah. and then even afterward like in the apology uh he goes on to say that what he was intending to do was to let's see uh, I wanted to publicize Facebook's partnership with the Red Cross. So it's like as if that is an excuse for doing what you did, but the excuse that you've given is just more self-serving BS. Uh, yeah, well, like really that's what I was not trying better. to do is just show off that we are doing this good thing, so give us cookies for that, won't you? Uh, no, that's not an excuse, and that's not – you don't get points now, buddy. You, ugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 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 <laughs> also, like, I don't know, you own a website that a few people visit. So if you really want people to know about your partnership with the Red Cross, I don't know, put up a banner on your own website or something. <laughs> Just a thought. You might have other means of publicizing that than this ridiculous disaster tourism nightmare. Yeah. I, I should also say that I'm upset because I actually had to log into Facebook to watch this video. And that, <laughs> oh, no. and this is like the first time that I've logged into Facebook in like six months. And so I'm, I, I'm, you know, it's my fault. <laughs> that's that's the that no, I'm not going to say that's the real tragedy because that would be just as insensitive. But like that's I, I'm I'm annoyed that I had to do that. I couldn't just go like go to YouTube like a like a you know a gentleman and and watch the video <laughs> there that I had to actually go to Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook page to watch yeah, this travesty. To be upset then later and yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly to that, uh, exactly to that. So should, so I I think that it was a missed opportunity. Like I think that. Hmm? It could have been something that would have really helped. I think that that's what uh, makes me sad is that I think that it could have helped the relief effort. And I think that now it became um, just a, a talk about, again, um, you know, being out of touch with what people have to go through. Um, but, I, you know, I think that being able to, to go to places that are going through difficulties can actually help us be able to understand what it would be like to live through that. It's hard, you know, it's hard to see all kinds of really horrible news and there's a lot of news out there. And and so sometimes you need to turn off, but I think that sometimes also we need to be aware. Yeah. Yeah. And you could have just released that video. I mean, or it was really NPR's video anyway, that they were just showing and just drawing attention to that, like, or, you know, give it, pro- give it prominent placement in the Oculus store or whatever and say, you know, this is something, this is a way that you can experience, you can, you can better understand what's happening in Puerto Rico and, and just get out of the way and not turn it into a, into like a product advertisement. 
And I mean, this whole this whole system, it's it's called Facebook Spaces. And like the main thing is that it's this social VR and the idea of like, yeah, let's go hang out with our friends in Puerto Rico where these horrible things are happening right now. What? That doesn't like the the premise of it makes no sense either. This is this is pushing a social a virtual reality social media platform. And they thought that it was a good idea to go there. Again, this all goes back to what he even says in his apology is that this was just about publicizing what Facebook was doing and look at how cool we are. Can we have some cookies again? And like it, it just all came off. Well, it's not even that it came off so wrong. It is wrong. Yes, um, yeah. But I think you're right, Georgia. If this was, you know, hey, Facebook sent some of its um, its content creators to Puerto Rico and they filmed a documentary in VR that you can check out by, you know, going, we've, we've made it free on our store or whatever the heck. Go check it out. You can see firsthand what things are like there right now. And uh, here's how you can use Facebook to donate. That would have been so much better and yeah. would have still highlighted the thing that he wanted to highlight and it didn't have the such tone deaf uh horribleness hey just be a little sneakier (laughs) if if you're gonna do the wrong thing do it well oh god i don't like to think of it as that but you're totally right (laughs) it's all about profit yeah so anyway so why don't we reward them by talking about all the all the oculus things that they announced the next day (laughs) <laughs> uh, I would love to, but first, we have to be sneaky and profit by talking to you about our friends at Squarespace. Hey, if you enter the offer code disruption at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase at Squarespace. So here's how you make your next move with this company. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, and you can, you're going to get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. If you want to create an online store, uh, if you want to create a portfolio or a blog, or have a place where you can just put a bunch of really cool images together. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that with no problems. There's nothing to install. There aren't any patches to worry about, no upgrades to worry about. You don't have to worry about any of it because Squarespace takes care of all of that for you. Now, they've got award-winning 24-7 customer support, which, again, is so awesome because I'm trying to think of, like, the Emmys of customer support, and they go there and they win all the time. Um, They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates that they have are so well-designed, and they're really good at working on your mobile device, on your iPad, on uh, a huge screen, and everywhere in between. Now, I've talked before about why I like Squarespace, and that's because they keep things up to date, so you can just hop in and get those things enabled. Flip the switch on HTTPS support, flip the switch on Apple Pay support, flip the switch on all the latest web technologies. It's right there. It's ready for you to go, and they make it so super simple to do so. And now you can even buy domains right from Squarespace. Now, plans start at just 12 bucks a month. But guess what? You out there, Linda and Tom and and Sally and uh, <laughs> Crayon can uh, start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. There's got to be somebody out there with a nickname Crayon. Uh, when you decide to sign up, you're going to use the offer code disruption, and that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and you'll be showing your support for our show. We thank you, Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. And, and I'll, I'll give a, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give a personal endorsement this week because I just spent a couple of my train rides writing up a deck guide for a Hearthstone deck that I got to Legend with last month. You know, I, I 
I can't draw a straight line. And I was able to put it into my my Squarespace site for that I have for off curve and, you know, put images in line and have them kind of flow the text nicely and look professional, even though I have no idea what I'm doing. And so if mm-hmm. I can do that and I can't even, you know, I can't even connect the dots like you can t- take Squarespace and make something that looks beautiful. So absolutely give it a shot if you're looking to build a website and, and really why aren't you just go make a website for something, make a make a <laughs> website and for people named crayon, just go and do it. <laughs> hey, and something that I want to note really quickly too. I know we're giving Squarespace a lot of time here, but you know, people often ask, Hey, I want to do a podcast. I want to get a podcast started. I really would like to get into this. Squarespace makes it super simple to get rolling. There are a few extra steps, but Squarespace can get you like three fourths of the way there because they can host for you. They can get all this, the metadata plugged in and all that jazz. And so all that's left is to get your stuff plugged into iTunes and those other libraries. So if you're thinking about that, this is another great way to do that. Just use the offer code disruption and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Okay, let's move on to Oculus Connect 4, um, which, yes, again, the uh, <laughs> the fact that we're talking about this after shaming Facebook for being ridiculous. Well, but the, um, the tech is cool. The tech is cool. Exactly, Jessica. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to run down the list of the things that were announced, and then we can break in to talk about them really quickly. So they announced uh, the Oculus Go, which is going to be a standalone VR system, essentially sort of a sweet spot between true mobile VR and uh, PC VR. So it's a little bit better than just like strapping your phone in and uh, sticking it to your face. They've got Project Santa Cruz, which is an actual true wireless Oculus Rift. Um, and they're still working on that, but they came out with some new uh, headsets or rather some new handsets that will that, that look a little better, that work a little better with uh, Oculus. Then um, Oculus Rift is getting a price at $399, which is a lot less than the $599 that the HTC Vive costs. And a few other things, including some updates to the software, uh, Rift Core 2.0 and uh, avatars. Let's not talk about avatars. Um, (laughs) And of course, uh, Facebook Spaces. So the big thing, I think, is the Oculus Go, Project Santa Cruz, and that price drop. That's a big thing. More people getting into VR if... if, uh, if possible. I love VR. <laughs> I love VR. I think everyone should try it out. I We have people come over to our house all the time to try it out. I think that this is going to make it much more accessible. Every time I have people try out the VR at my house, uh, they always ask. And these are not usual gamers. Like They're usually people that are not gamers that I have try it out. Every single person asks, how much is this? How do I get it? My brother is wanting to, this is true, he wants to build an add-on to his house to be able to have a VR room. I'm not joking. You see, I, oh, the, wow. the apple does not fall far from the Clearly. tree. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Um, and I think that this is going to make it more mainstream. I think that it's going to have, it's not going to work as well as having the full set to that. But you don't need to have the full experience to really enjoy and see what you can do with that and then the more people that are in the space then the more profitable be to make really cool games i'm waiting for their first role-playing game can't wait Hmm. i'm excited can i can i be salty steve for a second please is this not a sign though that you know it because this seems like a pretty quick price cut i mean i know that you know every Every console or, or, you know, peripheral ends up getting a price cut eventually. 
but it seems like there's been price cut after price cut, not just for this, but also for the Vive and for the PlayStation VR. And there really hasn't been any sort of major like breakout game or breakout experience that has penetrated the mainstream for but VR. They can't penetrate the men- mainstream because they're VR, right? Well, but that's yeah. but but they've had a lot of they've had a year to figure that out, right? Like there's there's that's 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 fine for when it first launched like a year later they should have like it it's starting to get to the point where it's they don't have that excuse of we can't we can't market it i think that there's breakout games on oculus um and and for the rift but because they're vr they're not going to be breakout to mainstream because it's such an expensive system like in the end it's the price of having to build a supercomputer yeah, that is is stopping people, and so even though games for a VR are really popular, and everyone that is on VR talks about them and raves about them in our own little tiny ecosystem, our ecosystem is small in comparison to as many people that have console games. But wasn't PlayStation VR supposed to solve that? Because you don't <laughs> yeah, need a super. You don't VR. need a. I mean, granted, it's not as good of an experience, yeah. but it, you don't need a supercomputer for that. You have mo- a lot of people have a PlayStation Four, and PlayStation VR has also been kind of like it. It got released, and then you didn't hear about it again until like this week when they had like a one year anniversary sale <laughs> on the PlayStation Store. It's like, oh yeah, that was a year ago. Weird, because I haven't heard anything about about it in the past year. VR, yeah, it's not a great experience, uh, and they don't have great games. Uh, it's it's just not as good of an experience. It's really, it's it's okay. You can send me angry texts. It's okay experience, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't really. Um, and you know, we have like Renee has one, so we use that one. But it's, it like it loses connection. Like you can't. It has to work fluidly and smoothly if not it really does wreck the experience that you're in the game yeah Mm. and there's like motion sickness and all that jazz that comes up as well oh i have a horrible motion sickness story (laughs) by all means (laughs) nothing to do with this but we brought vr to my my um uh, brother-in-law's uh place and we had him use it and he's played vr before and we ended up doing um paranormal activity four because he wants to do something really scary what yeah, yeah, my husband can play it. I have no clue why, how he plays all these Why would you do that really... to yourself? I can't Ugh, do it. Horrible. I can't do it. I can barely watch. <laughs> he's screamed and he, like, shakes. He ends up, like, you know, he plays the game still. I don't. And um, any jump scares, I'm out. So, <gasps> yeah, so he's playing it and it has virtual motion. So you, you move the controller forward <laughs> and your character smoothly glides along the floor. Anyways, he was playing mm-hmm. for way too long on virtual motion. He was sick for two days. Oh, my like, God. Oh. Two Yeah, it's intense. Days. That was a really intense set of motion sickness. So don't do that. That was Ugh. great. See, I always worry about those games where you're not actually moving and you just do the, the movement like with the control. That seems like it's such the, a bad idea. It's the smooth movement that is the problem. If you jump to another spot, it's not. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the games that have tried to solve that problem do it through teleporting rather than just moving you from place to place. But Yeah, which is quite effective. I don't get sick from those at all. Hmm. I wonder so why is it that the smooth movement does it but the jerky jolting doesn't? Um it it's a difference between like your your con- your brain is constantly trying to readjust. If we're just in another spot, we really feel like we've 
popped in one spot and gone ah. to another, but there wasn't any of that. I'm walking and I'm trying to regain my balance and my brain is, is I must be dizzy and sick. Okay. And so it simulates this feeling of I must be sick because, you know, I look like I'm turning to the side and I am not. And while you're doing that, when you're moving forward, you can move your head, which is tilting. You're tilting the screen and you're getting different senses to that and it causes a real huge disjoint. Ugh. It's it makes really it feel bad. sick just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jessica, what do you think? Because you own, you you own at least six of these, right, in your house at this point. <laughs> no, we only have the Vive, um, <laughs> and That's we did a pretty buy good it. one. That's a pretty good one, though. If, if you're going to choose, we bought it back when it was expensive, even. And I've read that we really want the audio harness thingy that you can get as a yeah, hundred dollar upgrade, but um, we don't we don't have that yet. I might get that. Um, although we're going to be have moving this audio heart. What is this? It like uh, has headphones integrated into it or something, and it's oh, more yeah, comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I forget all the details, but I was like, "Oh, an upgrade I wanted." <laughs> Even though, like, um, yeah, like I wonder about this whole portable VR thing. Like, how do you get the games onto it? It's not connected to your computer, so there's no PC running the games. How do you? Well, I mean, you know, probably the same way that you get the games onto your Switch, right? Uh, okay, so there's like a app store. I, well, Oculus has what Rift Core or whatever it is. That's their app store that's built into mm. the device. Um, it says okay. um, developers creating apps for Gear VR will also be creating apps for Oculus Go and vice versa. And many of the Gear VR's uh, best apps will be available for the Oculus Go from day one. Oh, okay. but, it, but it doesn't exactly say. So maybe it's got like Wi-Fi in it, and it, yeah, can you can go to the app store just in VR space. Okay. I hope that um works well. It would be nice. Like it was I I it was kind of upsetting to me as an as a horrible nerd when uh at, at my work there was like this Christmas what they a uh, Yankee swap or whatever and a couple of people brought these cheesy cell phone VR things oh, where you just no. put where you put any old phone in it and those were like really popular. People were like, "Oh yeah, my kid wants one of these." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> you know? I wanted to be like, "Doesn't okay, your kid VR know snob. that that sucks?" <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I I I held it in until just now. <laughs> but like it it, it would be kind of cool if there were something, you know, in the middle so these poor children aren't using like an iphone 4s that their parents passed uh, down i can't to them. imagine <laughs> lord have mercy see this does interest me i'll be honest with you it's it's 199 and that's way more reasonable for me as like a single per like a single in the sense that this is not something that my partner would be interested single in single so is it that will not- be your status after you buy this uh, it, w- it would be if I tried to convince him that he needed to help me pay for it, yes. Um, so as a person who would be putting my own money towards something like this, this $199 price point is much easier than a $599 or $399 price point plus a whole new computer because I use a Mac every day. Um, right. So this yeah. seems this seems to be you know sort of my sweet spot other than – or it's at least more like achievable in the the short run. And you know that this is not just some small deal either. They've got all of these special lenses inside that have better fill factors and uh do less uh glare and less screen door effect and all that kind of jazz. Um so it's an interesting concept for sure and what I like about it is it's not it, you know people have to Georgia was talking about how people come and visit and then they play the system with this. You can sort of 
explain to people what VR is by showing them this. So, like, I could take this when I visit my family and, you know, put this on my grandma's head and say, check this out, grandma, (laughs) you're going to love it. And then she gets to go to, like, Israel or something like that, and she would love that. Um, Now, we won't be high-fiving each other with virtual uh, avatars or anything, but um, I think that that's pretty cool. So I will probably be... Uh, itching to pick this thing up. Um, I'll wait, of course, to hear the reviews on it. But as soon as we do, uh, this is definitely something that's of interest to me. I, I just think it's oh. I just feel like it's so interesting that like over the past like year or so, we've had two really different changes in the way that people play video games. And one of them is VR and the other one is the Switch. And it, I mean, Maybe it's because I'm a Switch owner and I've and I'm not a VR owner, <laughs> but it just seems like it's interesting to me that like the flat games that you can just put in your in your bag and play with you on the go, or you know not be tethered to a television, is the one that's taking off, and like the completely new experience of VR is the one that is really struggling to get off the ground. You see, I don't know if that's accurate at all. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, it is. But go on. I don't Ooh. think so. I think oh, that, like, VR is, like, it. a billion-dollar industry. I don't think the Switch is. I don't know, besides us, <laughs> I don't know, besides you and Bree, any other Switch owners oh, at A bunch all. of my coworkers have them. You know, I I don't. I really, you know, it's the know. It's the best-selling console above the PS4 and the Xbox right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Above the Xbox, like the current Xbox One? Yeah. Or just like Xbox Ones in general? Well, uh, above, like, well, I don't know about, like, you know, the Xbox One X just came out, so I'm sure that they had some sort of launch. Yeah, so it's it's outsold the PS4 and the Xbox One four out of the, out of the last six months. It's, there's, I mean, there's, the only problem is that people still have trouble getting them, you know, because Nintendo is Nintendo. But, um, but, and I mean, honestly, I've been way more happy with the switch than I thought I would, I ever thought I would be, to be honest. And I do see a lot of people getting really excited and buying games that they, you know, already own just to get them on the switch. Like I've, I've gotten to the same point that you've gotten Georgia where you won't play flat yeah. games. I won't play games if they're not on my switch <laughs> anymore. Cause I know that's the only way I'm actually going to play them. And it's just, I, and I'm not saying that we need to compare and contrast the two. It's just interesting to me that, you know, we've seen more innovation in the way that people play video games in the past year. Um, and but it but it seems like the one that really is the future, and I think it is, it's just not there yet, is still just really struggling to find its footing. And the one that's basically I'm going to do the same thing, but smaller and actually make it portable is the one that's that's and the thing that people said forever that was never going to work, which was basically making a crappy iPad and putting physical controls on it um, is selling like hotcakes. Yeah, it works pretty well, actually. Yeah. It's 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 kind of funny. Like, even I was, like, highly skeptical yeah. of the Switch. I'm like, why would I want this when I could just... Well, like, so one thing, those M- MFI, MFI, I still don't... I can never remember. Yeah. Anyway, um, controllers for iOS devices still, like, kind of suck. Yeah. And they're, they're like, laggy and generally awful. <laughs> um, and even I, as somebody who's terrible at control... Controllers? Controlling with controllers? Can concede <laughs> that there are some games that you just, like, really need that. And I've played some of them and enjoyed them a lot. Like, and I'm really, I'm really like, desperate for West of Loathing to come out on the Switch. Like, I want that so bad. 
Yeah. It's such a good game. Everybody play it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, like Golf Story is a game that I've been like obsessed with over the you past couple of weeks. You like golf games. Do you actually play golf? I, I did take golf in college okay. because I needed to take huh. I, I needed to take a gym class to graduate. <laughs> so, oh, OK. Huh. So. That's exactly how I was <laughs> feeling about that. But, huh. you know, but I do I do like video game golf. But this is like this is like um, people have called it Earthbound, but with golf instead of like battles. So it's like a like a 16 bit like RPG, except that instead of like battling things, you play rounds of golf. And it, uh. it's a. It's it's a lot of fun. It's adorable, and it's very. Uh, it, it is set in Australia, so I know Michael will will absolutely hate yeah, it. Yeah, no koalas. Yeah, but uh, you know, but that's a game that's that's like exclusive to the Switch, and that's a game that's getting a lot of you know a lot of really positive attention. And I like I expected this thing to be a flop, and I'm just surprised that it's as good as it is. And, and it's I would think that it would be the other way around, right? Like Nintendo would have tried this thing, and it's like the same thing that they've been doing. And it would have failed, and VR would be all over the place. And I'm surprised that it's the other way around. Yeah, I'm not so. I, again, I don't know the numbers. I know that for the first quarter of 2017, there was 2.2 VR headsets sold. 2.2 uh, million. Okay, I was like, just, sorry, yeah, there was 2.2. <laughs> One person has like know. half a I lens. Know which, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. For the two and a half people for family, you know yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know about a, a flop to it. I think that it's it's that it is really expensive. Like it is. Yeah. Like I think prohibitively that's expensive is definitely the biggest problem to that. I think that if it was really cheap and affordable, um, similar to a Switch, I think that I think that the Switch because it is so affordable that it has not sold more. I don't know. Yeah. See if I. That, I mean, that's. <laughs> I might just be I, defensive because <laughs> I love my VR. <laughs> it I could just be that though. <laughs> I am not afraid to like spend money on stupid stuff. Like I, you know what I mean? I will spend money that I just shouldn't even have spent on things that I really like. But even me as that person who's can be a little irresponsible when it comes to disposable income will not, I I can't make that, uh, that justification to buy VR. Like VR is made for me, but I just, I don't have that. I don't have enough extra money lying around to be able to get that. And like, even if I had a little bit less than enough, you know what I mean? I still wouldn't, it's, it's something that I absolutely wish that I could have, but yes, it's, it's prohibitively expensive. Um, And so because of that, I'm like super excited about this sort of middle ground that they're working on. Um, Now we did say that we were only going to spend a little bit of time on that topic. Okay. It's uh, it's uh, become the the main topic so far, but um, let's touch really quickly because we have some some listener questions and some voicemail or a voicemail. Um, but let's touch really quickly on something that happened. Uh, there was uh, a Google event recently, and oh, I did not say okay, Google. See now, mine's listening to me right now. <laughs> oh, there we, um, There was an event recently, and uh, that. Thank you, Google Home. Um, (laughs) And at the event, the Google Home Mini was announced. And it's basically like this tiny little fabric-covered smart speaker that's like the uh, Amazon Echo Dot. Um, There there were, of course, uh, journalists there who got review units, and they took them home. And it just so happened that one journalist uh, was having trouble getting their, their 
Google Home Mini to work. Couldn't figure out why, couldn't figure out why. Finally logged on to see that there's like a page where you can see sort of what Amazon has a page like this, Google has a page like this, where you can see uh, the information that gets sent to uh, the their various servers. And it's like whenever you say the, the command word, it's the part that comes after your query, basically. And that gets sent off to the servers, but they save that. You can see that there, or you can choose to not have it sent, or rather saved and, and deleted immediately, essentially. Anywho, the person saw that since they had plugged the thing in and connected it to Wi-Fi, it had been waking up every, basically every time it heard a sound and was recording what was going on. So it was just constantly recording them. Um, turns out that there is a manufacturing defect in the Google Home Mini uh, where there's a button along the top that you can hold down, you can do a long press on, and then it'll activate the Google Assistant. And they, Google, of course, like they handled the problem as quickly as they possibly could. But the way that they're having to fix this now is by completely disabling this feature. So the switch will not activate the Google Assistant anymore. And uh, they, I assume, in future runs of the product, now that they've probably got a bunch of them in in warehouses, uh, will have a better button. But yeah, the manufacturing defect led to like the worst possible uh, or like the thing that everybody's worried about, that this device is constantly uh, recording what I have to say and sending it off to some company. Uh, Georgia, I bet you love this, huh? <laughs> I, I don't love it. It really does bother me. It makes me, you know, yes, every time I read an article that says, you know what, actually, oh, oops. Oh, we didn't know. We actually were reading everything that we said that this would never be able to be happening. It does make me go, you know, like, listen, we should, there there should be some sort of a sanction when a company does not deal with your privacy. There should be something that happens to the company that allows to leak your private information. We should have some rules in place and some sanctions and regulations in order to protect the privacy of the people using certain products. And, and so that bothers me because I don't think that we take this seriously enough. I, I think most people are so laissez-faire. They're just like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm not doing anything illegal. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah, and and this seems like a manufacturing defect, and you know those those things are going to happen to early adopters, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, go all Google is, you know, nineteen eighty four, <laughs> you know, on on them having a def, a faulty switch, but at the same time, it's like, how much do you trust the company that's providing you this this device, right? Like, they had this is the same was this the same event where they announced the camera, the yes. what was it Google Clips. Clips. That's yes. a camera that you kind of put around your house that will use AI to determine when to take a picture of you to try to get like candid shots of people in your house that might otherwise not pose for a picture. And and by the way, I'm the target audience for this device because one of my daughters is like horribly camera shy. She will like, we have family photos from Disney world that have two of my daughters and not the other one. Cause she, she just hid behind one of her sisters. And hmm. if we want to get any pictures of her from this, you know, from that time in her life, we would need some, you know, this would be something to get. I mean, the fact that we're taking pictures without her consent is a different discussion, but, but, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> but you, you talk about, you know, a camera in your house that's connected to the internet, that's using AI and machine learning to decide when to take pictures of you. And that's really kind of scary. And, you know, mm -hmm. they say that the, that the AI, you know, that the AI algorithms reside entirely on the device, that nothing's going back to Google, but you don't know. 
right? And obviously something's going somewhere because the photos are not like getting downloaded to an SD card. So you just mm. you it's like uh, uh, every rat you see a hundred you don't type of thing. And <laughs> these companies need us to trust them in order to use these types of things. Mm-hmm. And to make money off of well, yeah. us. Like, yeah. that's, that's the thing that plays into it as well. I, and I this think, couldn't be abused. Like, you know, no, this thing of taking photos against people's will would never be abused. People wouldn't do that. <laughs> that's basically, I was on uh, Twit this past week, and it Congrats. was so funny because... Congratulations, um, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I was talking with Christina Warren and um, Ben, his last name escapes me at the moment, but basically Here? all... F- uh, I can't, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but basically, uh, we he were talking about how this clips thing was pretty horrifying, and it was interesting because like Leo had not even thought of that at all. He was he was just taken aback, like, "Oh, you guys are in the gutter about this." Like, that's I never would have even. And it's like, no, no, no. That's like everybody, yeah. everybody who I was talking to. That's the first thing they thought of was the fact that this could be used for nefarious purposes, and that that is a pretty uh, creepy thing. I like. I, there okay i agree that there's there's certainly a utility to this thing and i get where some you know product designer came up with the concept and i like the idea that like if you have like a surprise birthday party or something for friends in the moment i'm really bad about sort of capturing those moments i tend to uh despite my millennialism i do tend to live <laughs> in the moment whenever i'm in moments but later on it is kind of nice to like think back because like when i open up my photos app on my phone or on the mac it's like like 85 percent screenshots that i've done for work and then like 10 mm-hmm. percent photos of my dogs and then the rest <laughs> is like f- pictures of family and, and and events that i've done so i do kind of wish that i had more of those because i would like to look back on those things so like i get the idea here the concept here but when the company that creates this product and like the whole press tour for the clips thing was essentially every single site who was doing a review of this was like, and let us tell you exactly why it's not creepy and how it's working this way. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is when honestly... When you have to start off with yeah. why Let it's me not explain creepy. to you why this creepy exactly. thing isn't actually creepy. That's always a <laughs> good way so, to good start point. the conversation off. Good point. Good point, and So Micah. when the company's doing that, like, that's that's how they're pushing one product. And then that same company has this thing where they re- literally recorded everything that was happening in this guy's apartment. That is horrifying, and it does make you lose trust with the company. And yes, this is this is a smart first move, but also now that means that a bunch of people are going to get Google Home Minis that have a that like that they don't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's there's a there's an actual uh, feature of the device that just simply doesn't work. And I don't think I could trust even though they've disabled it in software or firmware. I'd be like, I don't want this thing anymore. Take it back. I, I don't want that in my house. <laughs> right. It's ugh. and. Yeah. I, you know, the, one last thing I'll say about this is like I'm glad that uh, there are those pages where you can go and you can check and you can see what uh, content is there. And this is a feature you can shut off. But when you shut it off, it tells you that your queries are not going to be as good, that, you know, it's not going to be able to process as much, may not be as good at answering questions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that trade off that we always talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they need data in order to do machine learning. And that's and it's not going to learn what you like unless you give it data. I mean, it's that's right. what it comes down to. This is why my iPhone randomly 
capitalizes non-proper nouns constantly because, <laughs> because they're not getting all that data. And it can't it. tell that the word you're in the middle of a sentence is not to be capitalized. I'm not bitter. Mm. But, you know, it, it's <laughs> – but that's that's the trade-off. If you're going to get these things that are going to think of things before you can think of them, it needs to know what you're thinking a lot of the time in order to get to that point. I think that, um, you know, the reason that, that Leo's like, oh, I didn't even think about this is, is pretty much because he spends his entire life online. Yeah. And so it, it's all there. Like he's always online. <laughs> Everything's being videotaped. So it's not really that big of a deal. There's a certain normalcy for that. I think that That's for other point. people, for, for average people that do not spend their life video podcasting constantly, it, it is that fear of I'm going to do something and without my knowledge, someone may betray my trust and then puts... And it doesn't even have to be something that's sexual or like nudity oriented. It could be that I trip or I hurt myself or I'm having a private conversation and or I look ridiculous. It, and it's, again, a privacy factor. And if you're in someone else's house, then do you give up your right to your own privacy because you're in their home, right? Like I have video a doorbell. And so whenever someone comes and rings my doorbell, I have a video of them. They don't know that I have their video of them. Even that makes me feel mildly uncomfortable because they don't know of that. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I have a video doorbell too. And it's like, ugh, I, there's a part of me that feels bad about that. I mean, we're going to have to start handing out like press or media <laughs> releases whenever people come into our homes. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't think that it's so much that he's like video podcasting all the time because he's not video podcasting in his house. Like he's in he's in the office when he's doing that. And I think he turns that off when he goes home. I think that this is kind of the, the mentality of uh, someone who's all in on Google. I think you kind of get to that point where you're just used to get you trust Google, obviously, if you're willing to give them all that information. And your your mentality is I'm going to trust Google with all this information because I get the trade off. Right. And there's another type of person, which I think most of us are, are subscribed to, which is a little bit more skeptical and, you know, not and knows that some of that data has been used for less than pure purposes and we'll think about things like what happens with this after it leaves me, after it leaves my house, mm-hmm. right? But I think that mm-hmm. – I think you have to – if you're going to be all in on the Google ecosystem in general, like you're going to upload all of your photos to Google Photos and let it do facial recognition on everything and let it pick out pictures of fish from all of your <laughs> – all of the photos that you've taken over the last 10 years, like like that type of thing. And that's just one example of like – all the data that you end up giving to Google when you're all in on their ecosystem. I don't think it, I think you just kind of take it for granted that all this stuff is, all this data is going to Google anyway. So it wouldn't occur to you to necessarily be worried about what happens to it once it leaves your care, you know? Mm, Yeah. Anyway, but you know, in in any (laughs) event, I'm not getting that camera because no, (laughs) it's creepy as hell. No, Google camera, no. Uh -uh. Google, Camera, no, like that's the people. <laughs> Straightforward, don't do it. That's that's that's, that's the <laughs> new top forty hit from Georgia Dow and the Pandas. <laughs> camera, Get your own no. camera. Get your own camera that you hook up yourself, <coughs> that you can turn off and on on your own. There's less chance that the government will be able to get easy access to it. Uh, let's go ahead and hit up those questions that we have. Questions, yes. questions from listeners. So we have questions. questions. So we have one voicemail that we've pushed off for a couple of weeks because we wanted both Georgia and I to be here at the same time to answer it. 
Um, so we'll start with that. And we have a couple questions from Twitter as well. But let's start with this voicemail. Hey, Disruption Crew. This is a friend of the show, Jeremy Yoder. Um, I have a question to ask you. Um, my, my oldest daughter, um, who's nine, loves video games, and it's something that I've encouraged. I think in general it's good for her, and she really enjoys it. Um, my, my question is, um, so she likes to play games on my, on my tablet, on my iPad, and it's becoming an issue. So last night um, I thought she was in bed, and I discovered that she had taken my, my iPad um, and had been playing on it, and it was 11 o'clock at night. So I've um, changed the password, and she's been banned from it for a while. Um, this is not the first time that she has snuck out in the middle of the night to play games. Um, what would you guys recommend? Um, am I doing the right thing, or is there another way of handling uh, issues like this? Uh, what are the appropriate boundaries for kids with technology? Like I said, I don't mind her playing games. I, I'm hoping that her interest in games might make her interested in, in tech fields in the future. She has an aptitude for science and math. But, you know, being up at 11 o'clock at night isn't healthy, and yeah, it's kind of a red flag to me. And I'm just trying to figure out, Uh-oh. am I doing the right thing here? All right, thanks a lot. Bye. I'm up at 11 at night. Uh-oh. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I had a 10 p.m. bedtime just so that my parents had some time to spend with me at all. But And I turned out fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, I, so I don't know. I guess I can talk to this first, and then Georgia, if you have any thoughts that you want to add, sure. you know, as, as the, the hey, expert. I don't let my dogs on the iPad after well, eleven either. Well, you know, <laughs> right. it, that, you know, if you just stop giving them puppuccinos, Micah, <laughs> then you wouldn't have to worry about them being up so late. It's true, but you're right. Um, you're right. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> so, so we actually had the same problem with my with my ten year old, um, where she was just sluggish all throughout the day, and then we were. Uh, you know, we had an issue where we uh, we tried to turn off her light at, at a certain time at bedtime and then, you know, but she's got issues with the dark. So we were leaving it on. But then she was staying up. It, she, she was staying up mostly reading um, really late. Um, and we got to the point where we, we were concerned that she was staying up until all hours. And then we we told her that it was important for her to get a good night's sleep. And the deal that we made with her was that she wanted a Fitbit. And what we told her is we will get you a Fitbit, but. The trade-off is that, and we were upfront with her. Like this isn't like being sneaky, like you know, Facebook isn't. Like we were upfront with her mm-hmm. and said, we're using this to make we're also giving this to you because we want to make sure that you're getting a good night's sleep. And so mm-hmm. she would give us the Fitbit in the morning, and then my wife would uh, would sync it to the computer and just make sure that she was getting a good night's sleep so that we could intervene if she wasn't. Um mm-hmm. but again, this is not something we're doing surreptitiously. We're telling her up front, this is what we're doing. Because <laughs> um, right. spying on your kids is still wrong, but this is something that we wanted to make sure that she's healthy. The other rule that we have in the house is that um, there, are no, there are no electronics in the bedrooms. Uh, yeah, because so. if you're using the iPad, <laughs> you need to be somewhere where – I, I don't need to be watching you the entire time because I trust my kids – but at the same time, I need to be That's able to the see. First mistake, Steve. I know, I know. Mistake. I should, I should lock them up in the in the attic and feed them fish heads. That's, That's really true. where I went wrong all along. Oh <laughs> my god! But but uh, you know, I I trust them to you know be able to manage it as long as they've done all of their schoolwork and everything. But I want to make sure that I can see what you're watching. If in case you are getting into some of the darker corners of the internet, I want to be able to mm-hmm. do that. And I can't do that if you're locked up in your room. Yeah. 
yeah, I think that that's a, a great rule. Uh, we have the same thing. There's no tech in the bedroom. Uh, kids will sneak. They just really will. It's just common to that. I don't think that he put the age of his child, which would... He said he uh, said change. she was nine. Okay, perfect. Um, so you want, like, I like technology. Like, yes, you can tell. I love technology. I think that <laughs> it is wonderful in many ways and cases. I know, though, for my children's developing brains, it is not great for them. So I do monitor. It doesn't mean that it's some like big bad like we used to think with TV and it's going to like totally melt their brains. But I know that they're going to spend more time to that and I do also have one child that is more uh easily addicted to things and so I know that I have to monitor him as his brain develops to not feed into becoming more of an addictive personality. Um and so you want to kind of hold off on that and you want to have times and places that they can be it is a reward, it is not a right. So if they do their homework, as Steve does at his house, we have them earn time for it. So they earn time for their um, phone or iPad use, and then they can use it during their time. And when their time is up, so is the iPad. I allow them to uh, make videos or do writing work or other things on their computers or tech free. But besides that, we do like you know take a look and try to limit how long that they're going to be on it. Now, if your child has... Um, disobeyed you and has been sneaking the iPad, yeah, you definitely think that you did the right thing, by the way, of taking it away, and she has to earn back her privilege of being able to get to use it and your trust. I love the idea that you have um, taken the passcode away so that she's not going to think of doing that. There has to be a consequence, and it's not really because it was the, the phone or the iPad. It was because she disobeyed a rule and a trust that you had in between each person, and it's really important when your child does that, and every child will. That is their job, and your job is to set the boundaries of if ever I catch you when I've told you not to be on it and you are on it, or even if it's in a p- private place, because I also don't let my children um, use technology where we're not going to be able to, like a public area where I could walk by and see, that's also another issue to that. And so, yes, take it away, have them earn back the right, make sure that they do their chores and their homework before they get to have their treat. It's like, you know, you want to eat your meal before you have dessert. You want to make sure that you you know, do your chores before you play. You want to clean up the toys afterwards. You want to make sure that you've ingrained those rules and that this is something that is a privilege that you get to use if you are responsible with that privilege. And so make sure that you don't keep the technology or even have it charging in their room. It is too, like everyone loves to, to like as I was bugging Steve, like we want to trust our children, but also we do not want to set them up to fail. If you put something as salient as a technology that they absolutely love and adore in their room and then you expect them not to use it, I think that that is, you're, you're really setting them up. Some children will be able to do it, but a lot of children will not. It's too salient, too much fun. And then they'll feel bad about themselves and think that they're a bad person because they were doing something that was deceitful. So also help them out. There's certain developmental ages of children being able to um, delay gratification versus other times when it's much more difficult to that. And so you want to be wary, and then she can earn back her right and then make sure that you are really strict with, you know, how long she's going to be on it. I have my kids have to get off on their own. And if they don't, then there's also, uh, you know, a consequence to that. Because I want them to teach themselves to, like, monitor their own times with that. And then they get to, you know, get rewarded with getting to use it again. Yeah, we have a... Because, we have yeah, a, she's, like, sneaking it. That's, like, she's, yeah. Yeah, that's... that's she, you're, she's you're, one that likes it a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're, <laughs> right? you're fully within your rights to, to, you know, she has to understand that you need to use it responsibly. Like, we have a charging table... Yeah down in our dining room 
that yeah. where they they turn in their electronics at night and then they put it on the charger or or you know don't but at least it doesn't go into their bedroom and then if it's dead yeah. the next day well that's your that's you know that's your responsibility to a put it back on the charger to not charging it exactly yeah. nice yeah. yeah okay so you know this just reminds me that uh it's it's a good thing that I am not in a place to be a parent at the moment because I think I think I would just be so bad about ever making anyone sad, especially yeah. for <laughs> my child. And like I know that in the end it is so much. I'm not I, obviously I'm not sliding either of you. Like you're doing something that's so much better for them in the end. But no, like my I kids would get so would, hard. Yeah, they would bowl me over so yeah. easily when they're sad. Like oh, yeah. I have to go to bed right now. I'd be like, okay, you're right. You're the best. It's fine. <laughs> I'd be so bad. That's like a horrible thing to do. It, but. I, it's yeah, true. Anyway. No, but that's a common mistake that parents make. We we often uh, spoil them out of a place of love and affection, and make them a weak or needy or not resilient to the the issues of the world. It's just a common problem that parents. One of probably the biggest problems that I have when parents come in is that is that they um, they they've they've done so much such a great job of protecting their children, but that's not really their job. Their job is to prepare them for the world, not yeah. protect them from the world. And so it's a, it's a hard job. We're not taught how to parent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just got to the point where my oldest will go like riding her bike with her friends out in the neighborhood and that's terrifying. And it's, and it's, and, it's scary. Isn't it stressful, Steve? Oh, it's, it's super stressful, especially the one time <laughs> yeah. that she decided to get into a fight with her friends and storm off on her own. And then yeah. I got oh, no. to drive around yeah. the neighborhood looking for her. And then, yeah, oh, it's scary. No. yeah, it's really scary. so that was, oh, God. that was a teachable moment. Because yeah. that that and then it's like, OK, well, you're going to have to tell your friends the next couple of times that you're not going out with them because you you did what you weren't supposed to do. And, you know, and I'm sorry, but that's the way that it yeah. is. And you cannot do that because, you know, it's dangerous. And, yeah. you know, what, how are we supposed to know where you are if you're going off on your own and you're not yeah. with them like that? You, we, we trusted you with the responsibility and you messed up. So now you're going to have to you're going to have to earn that back. But it's tough. Yeah. It's it's tough to, you know, it's tough to do that when you know that they're disappointed and they're sad. But at the same time, it's like you you're not doing them any favors by right by right. by, you know, caving. So because then they know that you don't mean it and then they'll just do whatever. So, um, OK, on a on a topic that does not involve having children. Um, so <laughs> so we have a question from Shuby who says. Uh, what is your advice on bonding with colleagues when starting a new job, bearing in mind that I'm an introvert and self-diagnosed sufferer of social anxiety? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So before Georgia comes in with the professional opinion um, and, and and all of the goodness, I'll, I'll start because <laughs> – um, so I've worked at, at, at two – two sort of places where I went into it sort of not knowing anyone. And I would uh, consider myself an extroverted introvert. Um, And I have suffered from social anxiety and, uh, you know, continue to, but not in the ways that I once did. That only started after you started the show with me, right? (laughs) Only after you started your video unexpectedly, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that one time, that was what it, that's, that actually just reset the clock. It was like, oh, the social anxiety is back. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, uh, basically, uh, I, it, it's still, it, when I first got the job, I mean, I think that the interesting thing is, uh, a lot of times we have these relationships of, of convenience that take place when we work at, uh, at smaller places, you know, these, there, there are big jobs where I feel like people hate to go to like the company 
uh, holiday party or they, they're not interested in like celebrating a coworker's birthday or go out for drinks after lunch uh, or rather after work is over. I am blessed to have never experienced that. I've always worked with people who have genuinely felt like family and like my my coworkers at my last job. I came out to them before I came out to my own family. Like these people Aww. I was very very close to. Um but it didn't start that way. When I first started working at the company, uh I think over time you start to get to know a little you get to know people a little bit more. You find common ground, be it just like in the work that you're doing or things that, you know, you both have interest in. I think the important thing there is like if you're someone who suffers from social anxiety and things like that, uh, rushing into things or like trying to find this solution can end up being more off-putting almost, or like, I, I think that people can sort of sense whatever it's sort of this awkward thing. And uh, I, I think it's worth it to give it some time, basically, is what I'm saying. Because in the end, I was so close to these people, but going into it, I mean, you don't need it. It's a new job. You don't necessarily know people. And I also think, too, that if it's a good place, um, I would argue at least, that if it's a good place, there are going to be people at the company who are going to reach out to you and uh, take people up on that and, and you know, be, be part of that experience um, and be open in that sense to, to sort of letting people in if they're there. Uh, in terms of defeating you know, social anxiety, that's where Georgia comes in. So let's hear what Georgia has to say. Yeah, I, I agree, um, Mike. I think that that's a, a great set of advice to be able to take your time adjust, be comfortable with that. In the end, you don't have to uh, be extroverted to be accepted and welcomed. So be yourself and be comfortable with that. Know that in the end, people aren't listening to what you say. They don't really care what you wear. In the end, they just care about how you make them feel. And if you know you wear a smile and you're accepting, then they'll be happy to have you as part of their circle. What you want to watch out for, some of the um, issues that you may get caught up on with social anxiety would be if you're using, if you don't notice, you may have defensive postures that you give, that you exhibit when you feel uncomfortable. So you may be very short or you might not make eye contact or you might, which is totally normal and healthy, but other people may interpret that as you don't like me. Uh, you're being rude, and they become defensive. Like, we're all inside of our own heads trying to be accepted and welcomed, and we're okay. So you may actually making other people feel uncomfortable, sometimes just by making yourself trying to feel comfortable. And so that might be something that, you know, if you do them, you want to be wary and, and kind of, like, know what body reactions you normally have to that so that you don't make other people like giving off signals of I don't want to talk to you and you're really just saying I'm kind of shy. I think that admitting it, if you are comfortable enough to do it, often people with social anxiety, it's the last thing that they want to admit because they don't want to be judged for having it, is to say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit shy. So if you see me sitting off in the corner, you know, I, I may just you be wanting to relax, but I'm not trying to be antisocial. I'm just, you know, taking a little breather or I like to read while I eat. Something like that that makes other people say, oh, it's not me. And then their anxiety comes down and they're like, oh, they're friendly. They just, they need their time. And then what you want to do is wear a smile, take your time to it, and know that everyone is also inside of their own head trying to do the best that they can to be welcomed and happy. And then just, you know, say hi to someone, smile, go off and do your thing. And that's it. If you smile, people feel comfortable. 
and spend a little bit of a moment if someone's talking to you, you may want to escape, but don't do the curt kind of answers of, okay, well, now, okay, not, that also may make other people feel a little bit uncomfortable and that you don't like them. It might be that you just feel uncomfortable, but they will think maybe that it's them. I mean, I would just say as the most socially awkward person on the face of the earth. I disagree. (laughs) There are nice people everywhere. And Mm -hmm. like there's usually something interesting about just about everyone. And people love it when you find out what's interesting about them. So make Mm -hmm. an effort to do that and Mm -hmm. everyone will be happy. Yeah. And then they'll be talking about themselves and you don't have to answer any questions and they'll think it's the the best best conversation ever. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Get interested in people is such good advice. Get interested in other people because they, they, I I think everybody has that, that, that feel good moment where it's like, wow, this person genuinely cares about, you know, what I have to say and and how I'm feeling and and all of those things. And uh, yeah, it is sort of a hack there because you can just sit and listen and and (laughs) You don't have to to do anything that time. Um, So this is a question from Josh who says, I've been a little sad these past few months for for various reasons and been afraid to talk about it to anyone, friends or family. I can't really shake the thought that I shouldn't burden others with my problem and the stigma that men don't talk about their problems. Any advice and insights onto onto that topic? People love being burdened by other people's problems. Like I love give every I don't I don't know that many people who don't love to give advice and it may not always be <laughs> helpful but like and as somebody like I totally get the well I don't want to bother anybody. Like that's kind of how I am in general, which is to my detriment a lot of the time, but like oh honey, no. You can absolutely like your friends and family want to help you. People love helping people. Helping is the most socially acceptable form of showing off. So, <laughs> so you know, put yourself out there. I love, I love having you on our show because you have such <laughs> unique perspectives for these things, and it's really great. I, 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 and I'm not saying that jokingly. I just love that. It's a, it's a good way of showing off. It is, though. <laughs> I- yeah, well, I mean, the, there is the real thing, the real fun, toxic masculinity thing of, you know, men right. keep everything Absolutely. bottled up inside and don't talk to anybody about it. I mean, if I guess what I would say, and George is probably going to punch me for saying it this way, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> is that punch. if, you know, and, and therapy has been something that's really been good for me, even when I'm not like suffering really strongly from 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 anxiety and panic attacks like I once was, because it's like you're paying someone once every so often to go in and just dump everything, right? And get everything out and talk to somebody who is there specifically to listen to you. And, you know, maybe it's not something that you necessarily are trying to work through. You know, ideally it is, but it's sometimes it's just a matter of just being able to, you know, vent and get all that stuff out and then get somebody else's professional perspective on what is, what is troubling you and try to work past that. And, and, you know, people like you, I think that, you know, we've talked about the stigma around therapy a lot and it's not like there's anything wrong with you that you're going to seek a professional for, you know, for help feeling better. And, and, but that's what they're there for. Right. And, and so even if it's something that you're not comfortable, like, you know, unloading on your friends and family and understood, like, you don't want to, like, I can understand if you've been brought up in that culture and you, I mean, Lord knows I know about bottling up my feelings really well, (laughs) Um, being brought up, being raised as, you know, as a boy, you know, just suck it up and rub some dirt on it. 
But that that being the case, like then you go to a professional and and it's like, you know, have them, you know, unload onto them and then have them help you see things in a different way and maybe be able to to, you know, understand why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. I don't know why I was going to punch you. I don't know. I I, yeah, I was saying it in yeah. kind of a way that I was. <laughs> Did you change I, your mood? Fine. No, I I, I was different. afraid that the way I was going to uh, that I was saying that was going to be more dismissive of your esteemed profession than it than I meant it to be. So I, I once he was going to say something about how VR isn't successful. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I was going to say that VR is a crock actually, and that that was my uh, point. Right, oh, that's it. That's it, Steve. Um, I, I, I agree. I think that you don't want to overshare. And I think that some, you know, the timing of what you say and to, to different people, you want to respect that some people cannot handle what certain, what, like some things that you might want to say and not, I think that you want to test the waters. If someone shares something else with you, then they are saying they don't mind sharing and accepting. And if they change the subject, you don't want to then go back to a subject because perhaps, you know, if you've lost a child and someone else has dealt with losing a child, it may be something they can't talk about because maybe they are not ready. And so you want to listen to other people's boundaries. I think that sharing in the workforce can cause with, and I, I agree with Jess, I love the, um, you know, uh, sharing is caring and, you know, gives us our superpower. I think that that is very true for many people. But I think that in the workforce, it could be uh, become a detriment. You want to, you know, it's your private life and it is whatever you want to share you know, you want to make sure who are you sharing it with and are they trustworthy versus are they not? And I would love to think that everyone would keep something that is private to be private, but that isn't always the case. And if there's something that is very heavy and very serious, some people will go through secondary trauma uh, by listening to it. And, and secondary trauma is when you hear something that is really horrible or horrible to you and they can't stop thinking about it. And it, it ca- can cause some issues to that. And so if that would be something that could be the case, you may want to talk to someone that uh, is licensed to be able to handle that and help you out of it. Because sometimes also people will say advice that will be very painful or detrimental or wrong and could make things worse. So you want to know that sharing of, of fun, personal things that are just, you know, fun, not a problem to that. If it's something that's very personal to you, then you may want to tread more carefully. The only thing that I want to say, and and we've all said it in different ways, I think, but, um, you know, you're talking about how this is something that you sort of have been dealing with lately and and, uh, have been sort of afraid to talk to friends and family about it. I think that as much as in the moment it might feel like it's a better idea to keep these emotions, these feelings, these this concern bottled up, uh, it ends up doing a lot of, or it can end up doing a lot of damage. And so I I don't know that I've ever uh, been in a situation where it's with someone that I absolutely truly do trust. And I share something with them that I'm going through and, you know, they, uh, they get to show off by helping me, uh, as Jess Mm -hmm. put it. And I haven't come out of it feeling a lot better than if I had just kept it and kept it and kept it and kept it and kept it. Um, when you find the people that you can confide in and, you know, you take into consideration the things that George has talked about as well, it's so much more relieving and it's so much more, uh, you, it's, I think it's just, it's just better. And yes, toxic masculinity plays a huge role in, in sort of, uh, keeping that. But I think it's a really good thing to get, um, men 
to be, you know, to, to take the step to open up and to be, for, for, you know, forthright about their emotions, because that's the only way that the things like that will change. Um, and I know that different cultures have different ideas and different uh, aspects of, of, of this, you know, this sort of toxic masculinity. And that can certainly play a role. And, um, you know, depending on where you're from. So I, it's no, no, nothing to say that this is not some, a, a huge hurdle that you're, that you're dealing with certainly. But, uh, in the end, I think that when you do choose to make that step, it's always been a positive thing. Um, when it's with someone who you truly trust and who was ended up helping out in the end. Alrighty. Any last thoughts on that one? I, I, no, I, I'll, I'll refrain from saying any more mean things about VR for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up, doesn't it? I think so. I think I we've think said so. everything that we need to say. We need All to go right. out go we- out, and get ourselves a puppuccino and uh, head to bed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Um, if you'd like to get in touch to leave your questions, uh, your thoughts, your concerns, your poems, your whatever you happen to want to share with us, uh, here's how you can do that. You can call us at 508 508- Four one eight three five three two, and leave a voicemail, or you can tweet us at underscore disruption FM with the hashtag disrupt me. That basically pops that tweet right into our little uh, spreadsheet where we can see all your tweets. Uh, and if you would rather keep things private, you can send us a direct message. As always, please let us know if we can use your name on the show. Otherwise, we will default to anonymous. If you're looking for the show notes for this show, links to all the stuff we've talked about. Guess what? You can go to relay.fm slash disruption to see those links, or you can probably look in that app you're listening to this in right now. If you're looking for me online, you can find me at Micah Sargent. Uh, if you were looking for Brie online, uh, so even though she's not with us today, you can go to at SpaceCatGal on Twitter or supportbrianna.com. Hey, Steve. People are looking for you online. <laughs> Where can they find you? Well, if you want to hear me uh, babbling about Hearthstone, you can go listen to off curve at offcurve.com. I had friend of the show, Sabriel Mastin on this week talking about the new player experience. So that was a fun episode. So go listen to that. And uh, if you want to just see random things that I'm tweeting, then you can go find me on the Twitter machine at wicked good. Excellent. Jess, if people are looking for you, where can they find you? I am at Jessica Dennis on Twitter. I am also writing weekly game reviews at games.jessicadennis.me. And uh, I record a mostly weekly podcast called Ruffled Feathers with my good friend Joe Makarowski at ruffledfeathers.xyz. And I think that's everything. All right. And last but not least, the one and only Queen of the Dash and the underscore Georgia Dow. If people are looking for you, where can they find you? If you're dealing with anxiety, depression, parenting questions, you can check out anxiety-videos.com. And I'm sometimes on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. Excellent. All right. All that's left is for Steve to do that thing he does every week. So, Steve, take it away. VR's a crock. (laughs) (laughs) Them's fighting words. Oh, Steve. Oh, my. Steve. (laughs)